skeletal forms burn toxic green. Vacant eyes lit with everlasting hellfire. Welcome to another episode of Let's Watch Scary Movies. As always, we are your horror hosts. My name is Caitlin. And I'm Jenny. Welcome. Welcome. It, it is our two-year anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, my love. <laughs> two years of Let's Watch Scary Movies. Yeah, and it's, we've had like the 50th episode. Yeah. Like two episodes ago. And we're now at two years. Two years. Can't believe it. Consistency is everything. Yeah, and no one can say anything that we're not consistent. Consistently <laughs> bad at getting episodes we're, out. We're consistently irregular. Yeah, bad releasing episodes. But so, in in good news, we are sitting next to each other. We are in the same room, in yeah. the same place, which is ever so exciting. Doesn't happen very often. It does not, and it's gosh, recording is so much easier when we're in the same room. But it is the lead up to Halloween, our favorite time of year. Yeah, it's October. It's starting to get cold, finally, you know, because global warming. This was not good. We had a beautiful, balmy October. Everybody. (laughs) So balmy. It's like, I'm going to sit outside and sunbathe in October. (laughs) Yeah, literally six days ago, I was sitting on with my neighbor on my sort of rooftop kind of patio area in shorts and a t-shirt. And now today... A coat and a scarf. It's this madness. I sat in my parents' living room wrapped in a scarf and I'm like sweating. I'm <laughs> next in, to the fire. Next to the fire. Like, I know I'm pregnant, but like... How's cold, Jenny? What do you want from me? <laughs> it's cold. You can take the girl out of Florida for... Correct. In case you haven't gleaned time. by now in the two years of listening to our podcasts, I'm from Florida. <laughs> and I'm not. And Jenny's... She's from... I always say that you're from Scotland, but you're not really... No, I lived there for a while. I, I've in lived... my mind, like there, there's no accent, no kilts, no. just in my mind, you're Scottish. I did live there for like six years, which for me is a long time to live anywhere. Maybe it's because of your sort of how you've adapted to the cold weather and that you like it, which yeah. is foreign to me. I don't particularly love like cold, wet weather, but I don't mind. I don't. I, I like autumn. I like a sunny, crisp autumn day. And it, it that is what we have right now, and it's so lovely. And it does make me think about things like pumpkins and <laughs> parties. Pumpkins and, and parties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to a pumpkin patch last weekend. I know. I saw pictures. I was really jealous. How was it? It was great. I got a pumpkin. Um, I We got to eat food. I went on a little tractor ride around a really, really little, like... A cornfield, and then I bought pumpkin cheesecake, and it was a delight. That all sounds super fun. Mm-hmm. Riding around in a cornfield does give me Children of the Corn Malachi vibes. I bought. So we've been going to the same because there's a few pumpkin patches around here that do like big events in October, and we've been going to the same one with my friends for well since their little girl was just about one. So we've been mm-hmm. there for like almost seven years now, and. They haven't changed the little tractor ride at all. You sit in this little car and just go around a very small field. And they've done things like just bought, like, pound shop 
Halloween decorations and just hung them up in the trees. Oh, they've wrapped hay bales in like black bin liners and put big spider legs on them. Or there's like just like that's really cute. Plastic yeah. spider, uh, plastic skeletons just riding a bike, working a digger. <laughs> but yeah. it's the same Living every their year. Lives. So like every year we pay, and there's like five of us, so we pay like ten pounds <laughs> for like a one minute ride around this field because it's tradition. It's tradition. Tradition is important. Exactly. I want to go to the pumpkin patch. I've never been to one. I want to wear plaid and I yeah, know. I wore I wore orange. Mm-hmm. I took some bump pictures. I saw bump. those. They were mm-hmm. very cute. Yeah. Hmm. So today's uh, episode. The shinin. The shinin. For every time we say the shinin, you have to take a drink. Yes. That's even the... if even if you're like. You know, listening to this while you're driving, we're, we're encouraging you to mm-hmm. stop, do a shot. It's perfectly <laughs> legal and perfectly safe. Does it fit in the cup holder in your car? Yes. Okay, then you're fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Uh, just for legal reasons, we are not condoning drink driving. Please don't drink drive. <laughs> I love the Shannon. Um, it actually came about because we were talking about Halloween movies, mm-hmm. and I was saying that on for a very long time I had a list of movies that I would start watching every October. Before the podcast, I would try to conserve my horror movie watching for October and the lead up to Halloween. That soon got quickly out of hand because there's just too many horror movies I want to watch to contain them in one month. But The Shining was always on that list, so I have seen The Shining... A lot. How many? How many? Roughly, would you say how many times have you seen it? Seven, eight. Oh, okay. Maybe. Okay, mine's probably more like somewhere between more than twelve, but less than twenty. So somewhere in that area. Yeah. I've seen it a lot, and in the research that I was doing in preparation for this podcast, it's it's quite a polarizing film. Actually, there's some people who really don't like it. Stephen King. Stephen King, high on the list. Mark Kermode, is mm-hmm. that, like, not a fan? Um, and then other people who super love it. So, uh, I am really interested to dig into it, for sure. I am extremely curious, though, what score did you give The Shining? I gave it four and a half. I have to just refer to my notes because I cannot remember what I gave it. I gave it a 4.4. Oh. I know. Interesting. Okay. Interesting because... Tell me. <laughs> I gave give this film four and a half out of five. Yeah. Um, I absolutely recognize it as a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It is, you know... Do you think it's a masterpiece? In a lot of ways. Oh, like the production design and the mm-hmm. sound alone yeah. are like just phenomenal. Um, yes. I find it terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it. You don't. It's not on my list. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you know, if it's like, oh, you can, you have to, you know, you can have to watch ten films this Halloween. Yeah, it would never be on my list. See, I really do enjoy it. Yeah, and Andy does. My husband does. Yeah, yeah. What did Andy say about um, it? Well, it's one of his favorites. Ooh, so yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's up there on his list, and it's like it is just. I understand it mm. as, as a as a piece of art. Sure. And there are things I love about it. It's. It's not one that I find... It's got some flaws, and I think when we dig into it, we may have different ideas what those flaws are, Mm -hmm. but I for sure think, like, when we watch The Exorcist or, like, Rosemary's Baby and we say, this is a perfect film, I'm going to struggle to nitpick, whereas with The Shining, there are certainly things that 
I think could have been done better or differently or, you know, but I, I tend to think of films in terms of they, they tend to be led by usually one thing, sometimes two. And that one thing could be plot. It could be character. It could be, um, atmosphere. It could be that there's like a really powerful message behind it and it's driven purely like with that agenda to get the message out there. Or it could be pure spectacle where you're really looking at something that's just like tons of effects and not a whole lot else going for it. Usually one thing tends to dominate. And so I feel like this is one of those where you, it's atmosphere. Like the atmosphere of it dictates everything. Yep. It's bolstered by incredible performances. As you pointed out, like an extraordinary soundscape. The, the sound is incredible. Um, and certainly the the directing of it, I, I guess you'd say. Like, the, the way sh things are shot. Yeah. And all of those things make improve it. But first and foremost, it is so atmospheric. And without that setting and that atmosphere, I think you would have nothing. We were kind of chatting about it earlier, and I was saying it could easily go into, like, silly farce territory. Yeah. And there are things that ground it. And I think that atmosphere being so overwhelmingly unsettling, that's really what does it for me. Yeah. And these are the things that I can watch, and I'm like, when I'm in it, I'm like, yes, like mm. I'm completely getting this. I completely, you know, I'm completely immersed in it. It's it's incredible. But then if you said, oh, do you want to watch, do you want to watch a film? Do you want to watch The Shining? I'd be like, fine. Oh God, The Shining. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. This if, again. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if maybe it's because, you know, it's a Kubrick film, and so therefore it's one that like when you're in, if you study film university it's like one of those ones that like drilled into you or you do know they? do they really well, go into the shining well certain modules and things do so it's kind of you know it's one of those things where it's like it's one of those films that's like the 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 joy or the entertainment the enjoyment from it has kind of been like academia out of me a little bit Interesting. maybe okay um there are films and there are like so if you study english you know like and you love a book, and then you have to put it after and, a while. Yeah, and absolutely. So it could mm. be that. Um, but yeah, I... I mean, it's very long. It's definitely a slow burn. Was it your brother that said earlier that he's just like, what did your brother say? I can't remember, but he was just not a fan. I think he was saying it's just not scary. And I'm like, mm, it's a tough one because it is older. For some, but, but like, I was talking to um, my friend Sam about it this mm. morning, because I was saying that we were going to record this. And she was almost saying she doesn't class it as a horror. Interesting. How would she class it? Maybe, I don't know. She's like, you know, she, it's one, it's a masterpiece, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a horror. And I'm like, it ter it's terrifying to it, me. Uh, to me, there are scary moments, but again, like, there are flaws with it, for yeah. sure. And there are things that, in my opinion, would actually make it scarier. Um, hence why my score is like not a five, mm -hmm. but it's a high score ultimately because it is a film that I enjoy. I like watching it because you kind of notice different things and I like that feeling of dread that it instills in me. And it's just, it's a fucking ghost story and it's a really well done ghost story. Yeah. Would you class it as a ghost story or like supernatural or? I, yeah, to me, I definitely prescribe to the, the viewpoint that, you know, these are ghosts and yeah mm. um i think if you don't there are some quite big flaws yeah plot. yeah um if, i know you know there's a lot of speculation about whether it's you know if they're like a into madness um 
Well, I mean, that... And it's not yeah. as if, like, it's all in his head. It's all, like... Oh, yeah, I so see. There's, there's okay. that way of looking at it. And mm. it's like... Hmm. Well, it's the less interesting... To me, that's less interesting. Take, yeah, yeah. definitely. Whereas I imagine for some people, it might be more interesting because it's all about, you know, what the human brain the can mind, do. Whereas we're yeah. like, dead things, ghosts. <laughs> um, give me ghosts all give day. Me ghosts. I mean, I like the supernatural element to it, and I think it's so well done. Um, you know, because you've got... <sighs> The supernatural the genre runs the gamut, right? So you've got some that are very good, very scary, and like done effectively in that manner. Like I'm thinking, kind of like Paranormal Activity, for example, mm-hmm. things like that. The Shining is another one, and then you have ones that are significantly less scary for being quote unquote haunted because they, in my opinion, almost don't push the boat out enough like they don't take enough risks with it whereas i feel like the shining is just bonkers it's yeah. full-blown we're going there times we're turning it up to 11 there's a man in a suit getting blown by a guy in a dog outfit like is <laughs> that in the book <laughs> i haven't read the book oh okay because this is what i was going to ask you because obviously yeah. you've read a lot more stephen king i've read a lot of I... stephen king i just have never read it i've never read it i really want to i know some things i know some things about the book versus the film but yeah firsthand i have not read it and uh, and he was like has he me... read it yes mm. yes not for a, a while but yeah um what he doesn't read it every year Apparently at christmas not. why maybe, not <laughs> maybe he can start reading it to the baby <laughs> perfect bedtime stories mm. mm-hmm. so well yes so you've heard our scores and I mean uh, do, do you care to sum up the film for our our listeners who may not be familiar I wonder if I can do a haiku it's been a, it's been a while it's been a while since we've done a what was the haiku again 353 no it has to be 575 surely oh <laughs> I'm just making things up 16429999 She's counting on her fingers, ladies and gentlemen. Man drags family to hotel. Mm-hmm. Hotel haunted as fuck. That's six. I mean, I don't know. Jack Nicholson's eyebrows. <laughs> Shelley Duvall's ash. <laughs> um, the eyebrows, it's like there's a lot of eyebrow acting. Mm, there mm-hmm. is, yeah. I think that's... The, so, basically, um, Jack Nicholson's character, who's called Jack Torrance, is a recovering alcoholic, father of one, and a aspiring writer. And he gets this job as the... How would you call it? Caretaker. The caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, mm-hmm. which is based on the Stanley Hotel in Colorado, yep. which is a real place. And you can probably tell us more about that later. But and so at his interview, the the owner of the hotel informs him that the previous caretaker over the winter lost his mind, yep. murdered his family with an axe. But do you want the job? No big, no big deal. Do you want the job? Do you want the job? And Jack Torrance is like, you know what? I just want to write. I just, yeah. I need some quiet downtime to focus on my writing. Can you imagine me like five months? Feel like the hotel's closed. Five months. What kind of business model is that where you're like closed for five months? I mean, so when did the film come out? Nineteen eighty. 
1980, because I was going to say, it's, it actually takes place, I think, in, like, the late 70s. Yeah. Um, I mean, nowadays, I feel like they would do something else. Mm-hmm. They'd bring in some DJs and, like, yeah. make a party. Or, I mean, I don't know. They would do something. They wouldn't close it down for five months. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like a good business model. But, yes, so Jack Torrance says, I don't mind that this happened. I'm down to bring my wife and son here and look over your hotel. Basically, he's got to turn the heating on and things like that just to make sure that, you know, damp and things don't get in. And Yeah, I think, I think the guy even says, he's like, you have to turn on the heat in different sectors yeah. of the hotel. And there's going to be lots of snowstorms and blizzards and like, but you'll be cool. <laughs> um, oh, and there's no alcohol. It's all locked up. Mm-hmm. That becomes important later on. So anyway, so he's like, does it. And that's the spoiler-free kind of version. Um, Obviously, all hell breaks loose. And you learn that his son has something called The Shining, which is a psychic ability. Yeah. So he can read people's minds and know what they're going to say before they say it. Well, I think it's more like he sees things. Um, He sees things. He sees the past or the future. Yeah, he sees things that other people don't. Yeah, and he kind of, yeah, he can kind of, like, get psychic visions and, yeah. The Shining. And so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah? Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's get into it. Now it's time for a breakdown. We begin at the beginning. We begin, we begin at the interview. Well, we begin at the, the long drive of the mountain. Yeah, we got a beautiful aerial shot of... This is a very famous shot. It is. They, it is highly replicated, but never really matched. No. It's, but they, it's they've it's been referenced to death, but I mean it's I love this scene and the music. It's like an aerial overhead shot of their car winding up the mountains, and it really gives you a feeling of how remote and how just far in the middle of nowhere it is. Yeah, like it's beautiful, but then incredibly eerie at the same time. Like already watching this scene, I'm like. Especially with the with the music, I'm like, oh, my my chest feels tight already. What did I wrote? Right, I wrote dramatic something music. Can't read my writing. Um, car going into mountains. Establishing shot. Oh, I wrote every overhead establishing shot references this exactly. Yep. Uh, and it's kind of this like screaming soundtrack. It's, it almost sounds like screeching, like yeah. wailing, like what a banshee would sound like or something. And then it kind of finished and it gets a bit more like just. It's like heavy. It's like orchestral. Do, 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 do. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yes, we've we've now di- now you know exactly what it sounds like. Yep. Um, but yes, then there is like a, a card on the like screen. The title card. The title card that says the interview. The interview. Oh, but also it is worth noting because I love this. In the car, they're talking about the Donner party. Well, that's later. Oh, is that when they go yeah, back? Yeah, that's when. That's oh, when yes, yes. Yeah, because okay. at the minute it's just. It's just him. Just him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. so we meet Jack Torrance and he's um, meeting the hotel manager. Perfectly normal looking, non creepy hotel. <laughs> it's a ski. It's a ski resort. I it's think a ski resort or something. So wait, tell us about the Stanley. So it's based on so the Stanley Hotel, which is a real it's based hotel. On a, yeah, Stanley Hotel, um, which is in Colorado, and it's 
Oh no, I've completely. I listened to a podcast episode the other day. Is this the Sinister Hood? Yeah, because I listened to part of it too. It was like live. Yeah, yeah. But basically, it claims to be haunted. Yes, um, because it's been built on like I think it's like you know the whole an Indian burial ground. Yeah, um, and yeah, everything I mean, in America is literally built on an Indian burial ground. But what they say, I think, what it says like all the ghosts that are reported to haunt it. None of them actually died in the hotel. They were all just guests at some point that have chosen to... Uh... <laughs> Who have chosen in the afterlife to go back. Yeah, that's the standard. I would recommend that podcast. Jenny recommended it to me. Oh, I love it. We'll chuck it in the liner notes, but... Uh, I only listened to that one episode, but I did really like them. The hosts, they're funny. Yeah, very. Um. So, yeah. So, he go- so Jack Nicholson goes in, and he's talking to a guy named Bill Watson. And, um... Yeah. They, uh give him some crucial information that they think that he should have. And by the way, Jack introduces himself as a writer. Yes. Which I love because he isn't really a writer. And this much I do know from the book is that in the book, apparently it was much, much more his story. And so it talked a lot about, I think the point was to really empathize with him as sort of this quasi alcoholic wannabe writer who was doing another job and, um, was really struggling and just trying well, to do the he, right thing. So in the book, he is a teacher who's been fired because he's an alcoholic. That's it. Yeah, he's a teacher. Yeah, and that's why he's taking this caretaking job. He says it's because he wants the isolation to write, get through his writer's block. But it's actually because he lost his job for being an alcoholic and he can't get no one will hire him. Yes. Um, so yeah, he's basically, they want to hire him as the caretaker. They say they close the hotel for five months. They need someone on the ground for the five months to watch over the hotel, keep like the fires burning, that kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, it sounds amazing. And they're like, but what will your wife and child think it's amazing? He's like, yeah, they're so excited. Yeah. And then the manager's like, and I just need to tell you, like a few years ago, the caretaker, Charles Grady, he, um, went mad from the isolation and he killed his wife and twin uh, twin daughters with an axe and then shot himself. And Jack's like, cool. Yeah, cool. No probs. No worries at all. Yeah. That's par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to take a moment of silence and appreciation for the 70s dream decor of this hotel. Because again, when you're talking about a movie that is so based around the atmosphere, the setting plays a huge part of that. And obviously the hotel, it is its own character, truly. And I mean, the patterns on the carpet, the colors that they chose, it all gives you this kind of jittery, I don't know, unsettled feeling throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that, that Stanley Kubrick shot it, he does a lot of these like really wide angle, symmetric, almost symmetrical, just like everything in its place. It's a joy to look at. Aesthetically, I find it so satisfying. Yeah. And unsettling. It very. The whole thing, you're just really, you're kind of anticipating, like, something just feels off. Like, it's, it's, I think it's all the very different, like, geometric patterns, like carpets mm. and, you know, wallpapers and curtains. And textures and, yeah. as well, because you've got, like, the carpet is one kind of texture, and then the curtains, and then you've got the sort of, like, the furniture is velvet it looks like some of it and it's all very cluttered but the space like every room seems huge yes but then you've got these incredibly busy patterns that that make you feel quite claustrophobic it's like how do you feel claustrophobic in a giant space 
there's nothing calming or soothing and the colors are like orange and red yeah. together or and... like greeny blue in like the bedroom and yeah yeah it's it's all none of it is but it's also intentional as a set i just i tip my i tip my theater hat i tip my this uh, set building set designer hat to the whole thing because it's 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 really quite incredible how just by that the sound and the shots of of these hallways and the decor can give you this really this feeling of dread nothing's even happened yet i mean even before the, he tells the story about the guy with the axe obviously once he tells that you're just like for fuck's sake you're gonna go work there you're gonna take your like little like six-year-old boy and your <laughs> wife to this place for five months and yeah. be on your own with them for yeah five no months. props no props but he does also mention in the course of the interview it is mentioned that they lock everything up mm-hmm. um because the alcohol does come up and he mentions jack torrance mentions like oh i'm off i'm off the sauce Okay. I don't think he phrases it like that. I can't remember. But... Right, this is the other thing. Um, there are more than one version of this film. Yes, there so are. So we yeah. may have seen different versions. Because you've watched hers on DVD. Yes, which means that I have the... So it was released in America. Stanley Kubrick, the director, was like, I don't like this. Cut about 20 minutes of it out. And then that's the... So the he, think, he says his version is the... European or British version. How long was your your one? About two hours. Oh, mine was two and a half. Yeah. And so I think you've probably oh. seen and the, the, a lot of stuff that because like at no point in the version I've got does yeah. anyone actually say that he's an alcoholic, including or like he's not drinking. Oh yeah, no, he totally yeah. says it. He says something like to the effect of, I I forget how it comes up, but basically in the in the course of the interview, the guy mm-hmm. says something like, "Oh, we lock everything up," um, and he says something like, "Oh, no problem. Like I don't drink, so that won't be a problem." Mm-hmm. Something okay. like this. Like it is. I can't ref- remember. If it is in... referenced. Yeah. And then obviously, like later on, it's referenced because they talk about Danny, how he hurt Danny. Remember? Yes. There's also I think. And he says I had been drinking or something like that, but mm. that's really interesting because I per, I actually rented my version off of Amazon, but it didn't say director's cut. I didn't, hmm, you I'm know. Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But it was um, it was two hours and thirty one minutes long. I think I can't quite remember if we watched it on DVD, so I'm not sure. So. I love a yeah. good old fashioned DVD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always laugh at the menus. Oh yeah. Like, did you think this was interactive? <laughs> We're in the we're in the menu metaverse. Um, anyway, while Jack is at this interview, it does intercut with scenes from at home yep. with Danny and Wendy. Wendy. I was going to call her Shelly. I know I was going to call her Shelly then as well. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shelly Duvall. Do you know what that's from? She had her own show. She had a oh. show. It was like about I think it was about reading to kids or something like that. <laughs> and at the beginning of every show, she'd say, "Hi, I'm Shelly Duvall." <laughs> Hello, I'm Shelley Duvall. 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 There we go. Um, so anyway, you see, you see mom, mom and Danny at home, and Jack gets the job, and Danny is talking to. Tony. Tony, his finger friend. Finger friend. <laughs> Do you have a finger friend? I have five finger friends. All at the same time. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, he, him and Tony are besties. Yep. Sometimes I do talk to my finger and I call it Jenny. 
I'm like, hi, Jenny. Is that when you really miss me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> when she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm hanging out with Jenny. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I mean, that... Now I'm hanging out with Jenny. It sounds like something dirty. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? I'm hanging out with Jenny. I'm hanging... Hi. I'm Jenny. <laughs> That's right. I was doing my finger voice. Um, we really need, like, a video. But anyway, Tony knows that Jack got the job and tells Danny... Mm-hmm. Finger friend tells Danny. This could be confusing if you didn't know what we're talking about. But there also comes a point where, how old are you? Where are you at in your life? Why have you not seen The Shining? Because now's the time. Um, so he's talking, so uh, Danny is talking to Tony in the mirror. Um, and he finds out that Jack got the job. So, um, then we're at the doctor. See, this isn't in my version interesting but yeah you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah so okay. it's where they take you've got like danny at the doctors and they're talking about like yeah so that scene so the next scene i have is so like danny's talking to tony and he's like you know and tony's like something i don't want to go to the hotel and he's like oh something bad happened and he's like i don't want to say and he's like tell me tell me and then you get you get a vision you see you see danny's first vision and it is all the things, you know, he sees the twins, he sees yes. the, the elevators full of blood, you know, he sees all of these these iconic scenes, he sees um, room 237. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this, now this is interesting because in my version, she's at the doctor, Wendy takes Jack to the doctor, and you're not exactly sure why. I'm guessing something to do with Tony, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's almost like maybe a, psych, a psychological thing, as opposed to a physical thing. Um, oh, Danny had an episode... I guess is what they said, um, which is why the doctor is there. Like he went into a trance. Um, and so then you kind of find out that this is where Wendy talks about what happens. Um, she is talking about Jack grabbing, uh, Danny Mm -hmm. and hurting him accidentally. I guess she broke his arm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so this whole part, like, explains it. And Wendy is fully excusing all of Jack's actions. She is just like, he's done nothing wrong. It was an accident. So. Okay. Um, and, and it's been five months and he's, he doesn't drink now. So my version clearly plays up this side of the story. Yeah, but all of that isn't in. But do you think, and now I'm curious, like, but does it make it better to have that? I think it does mm-hmm. because it gives Jack's character. Because here's one of my issues with The Shining. Oh, wonder, cause I thought we were going to disagree on this, but I now wonder if, if our main if issue we have is the, the same, same issue. Well, it's, Jack Nicholson is just Jack Nicholson. He's, he's sinister and scary and intimidating from the beginning. Yeah, he he doesn't even he goes from like a nine to like an eleven. Yeah, I mean, yes, he really does lose it at the end, but like, there's no. I don't know, arc to it. People are like, oh, it's a film about a slow descent into madness. There is no slow. He turns up off his fucking rocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something ain't right. He's about shit out the gate. From jumping. <laughs> no, that's a massive issue yeah. that I have, especially because, you know, we talk about this a lot. Jenny and I both really love and appreciate a slow burn. And in a lot of times, what makes slow burn so great is that character arc that you get this evolution of a person changing for better or for worse, but there's change. Very often drastic change. And here you have Jack Torrance who goes like, as you said, from like batshit to just more batshit. So you don't really get that trajectory that I really enjoy watching. So I feel like that is a sort of flaw in the movie that 
I wish I could ask Stanley Kubrick, like, first of all, did you ever, did he, was that a choice? Was it a director choice or was that an actor choice? Because, I mean, I think if you give Jack Nicholson his way, he will just, the eyebrows are just going crazy. He's just going to be Jack Nicholson. He's just going to so, be Jack Nicholson. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was talking about this with, I think it was with Andy, and we were saying about how, you know, Jack Nicholson's an amazing actor, but... There are some films where he just plays Jack Nicholson. <laughs> He's not like super varied. Batman, or, you know, yeah. um, which is a beast work when he's the devil. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just, like, loving that. The yeah, Shining. The Shining. He's just playing. He's just him and his eyebrows just going nuts. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. I think it's one of the reasons that I don't rate the movie higher. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so curious, why did he make that choice? Because it's either Stanley Kubrick didn't give enough direction to the actor. Which we all know isn't true. Well, right? So he clearly, it was a, an intentional choice to make him strange and odd and off and clearly a little mentally unstable from the beginning which yeah. makes the journey just that much less interesting i suppose yeah. it's like i don't trust this guy there's no you know i don't think he's going to be a good person i don't think you know i'm not rooting for him i'm not concerned for him Am his family i rooting for him huh that's a really good point i yeah, you're right. I don't know that I ever am rooting no. for him. I'm rooting for Wendy and yeah. Danny, yeah. for sure. But he seems this menacing presence from the get-go. Even when they're in the car and they're talking about the Donner Party and all that yeah. stuff. Like, he seems so removed from his family. He's not really present. He's, like, far away in his mind, yeah. somewhere else. Like, strange. Just very strange. Anyway, we're jumping around a little bit, but I... Okay. So the family are driving up in the car. So now they're all, yeah, now he's got the job. They're all going up there together to begin their five five months of family fun. Five months of family fun. It's going to go so well. Yeah. (laughs) I actually wouldn't mind five months of family fun with my family, but I know, or your family, but I know that's an unusual thing. Would you want to be locked in a snowbound hotel with them for five months with no alcohol? Ooh, ooh. Well, first of all, that wouldn't happen because my parents need their bourbon. <laughs> um, but if it did, I feel like for the most part it would be fine. That hotel's big. We could spread out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to see you for a week. It's cool. I might kill my sister, but that's, you know, she might kill me first, actually. So it would be fine. <laughs> uh, but I actually really, really love this scene. <clears throat> and again, with these overhead shots of the car going in. So the family's going in, they're in the car, you can see Danny, Wendy, Jack, they're all having a chat, and this is where they bring up the Donner party. I love this dialogue, though, it just makes me laugh. He's like, see, he saw it on the TV. Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> is that when, like, oh, they have to resort to cannibalism? Yeah. Is that, is that where they eat each other? And then obviously Wendy's like, um, should we not, maybe not talk about this? And she's like, all right, Mom, I saw it on the TV. Yeah. You hear that? You saw it, it on the TV. TV. How old is... Danny meant to be, you reckon? Well, I was saying because I think Danny Lloyd, who played him in real life, was about six. Oh my gosh, because I put him at like eight. Well, I'm not sure. Six this... makes more sense, though. Yeah, I think he, I'd say you know six, seven years old. Okay. He's he's like a little guy. Yeah, but my thing is right. So at six years old, you're well, you're in school, you're kindergarten. Yeah, you start kindergarten around five, six. Yeah. So. <laughs> How can they just, like, 
if they're going to his hotel for five months, doesn't he need to be, like, schooled in any <laughs> That's actually a good point, and I would say maybe in for this story, maybe it is prior to him starting kindergarten, because I think in the scene that's missing from your DVD that I saw when he was like, if they mentioned nursery school, and obviously nursery school is not full-time usually, or like this at the same time as normal school, so it could very well be that he's not, he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. But um, but I do really love this scene when they arrive. So again, you have more overhead shots on the on the ride in, and again, I really it just gives this real feeling of danger. It's dangerous this location, and as the, as it's snowing now, really snow. Because I think when he came for his interview, it was like summer maybe. Well, no, it's, it's it's not yeah. So it doesn't start snowing for a little while. Cause, um, no, but there's snow on the ground. Like, yeah, because well, oh, it's a ski resort. So yeah, yeah they're, they're, I think up in the mountains they, they do have like. You do see snow, but yeah, they haven't had any of the big snowstorms. It's still, you know, and when they, yeah, when they first get there, it's like this, it's, it's really bustling because all the staff are like moving out and things, so there's people around, mm. and it's like, oh, this is, you know, let us show you around. It seems like normal, yeah, yeah. When, they, when they do, I actually love the part when they do the tour. Um, so you're introduced to, well, a couple things happen. First of all, I would like to point out that Wendy's 70s outfit on point. Yep. Like, 10 out of 10. I want it. She's rocking, like, the pencil skirt with, like, the blazer with, like, the boots. It's a whole vibe. Um, and then you see Danny's in, like, a game room. He's found, like, a arcade kind of room almost. Seven, very 70s. It's, like, darts and... It's, like, yeah. uh, ping pong and, yeah. like, ice hockey. Ice hockey? That kind of thing. Um, and I wrote here... This is where he sees the daughters for the first time. Nope. But in, I guess the, mind, it showed them earlier. Like yeah. I don't remember. I didn't write so it down. So in this but... bit, he does. Yeah, he looks up and he sees the he sees the two girls, the twins, yeah. and he's like looking, and then they disappear. They See, they weren't out. twins when he talked yeah. about them. They said they were sisters. Sisters, yeah. Oh, okay. but they, but when you see them, they're like they're pretty much twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whenever people dress up as them, they're always twins. <laughs> the actresses who played them were at um, the convention I went to last year for Love of Horror. Oh my gosh, how old are they now? Like fifty, yeah. God, could you imagine, like, still not capitalizing, but like, still, like, it's me, I'm the twin still, from yeah. The Shining. I had no line. Oh no, I had one line. <laughs> Come play with me, Danny. Forever and, and ever. ever. <laughs> Why have we never done that as a Halloween costume? Uh, I don't know. We should <laughs> probably because we look like Tweedledum and Tweedledee, especially right now. <laughs> um. Okay, so here we have the tour. And actually, I have in my notes on the tour, this is where they they mention all the booze was removed. But whatever. The point is that they did mention it a couple of times now. So we're introduced to Dick Holleran, uh, who has great taste in artwork, by the way. Love him. So Catman Scruthers, which also, what a name. Scatman. Or Scatman Scruthers? Yeah. What did I say? Catman. Meow. <laughs> Catman Crothers, Crothers. <laughs> so he's the head chef. Um, and he calls Danny Doc. Yes. And Wendy's like, how do you know that we call him that? And then you find out that Dick Holleran has the Shannon. Yep. He talks to Danny in his mind. In his mind. I'm talking to you in my mind right now. I'm not putting that there. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, so they take... 
so they go on a tour and Scamman Crothers is like, here's this food and here's that food and here's the kitchen and here's the radio and like here's all the things. All of which will become important later on. But yes, they have a very frank discussion. Um, well, Wendy gets called away. Yes, so the hotel manager wants to go through some stuff with Jack and Wendy. Mm -hmm. um, probably like, you know, you're living here, this is what we feed, I don't know, some sort of like contract stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Halloran's like, oh, can I take Danny to get some ice cream? Yes. It's like, yes. So they go, and while they're having ice cream, they have a very frank discussion mm -hmm. about The Shining. Um, he says, some shine, some don't. That's just like his ex Yeah, and his, gra line. his grandma had The Shining as well. We used to have whole conversations. <laughs> so he, Danny then mentions room 237. Yes. So in his earlier vision, he saw room 237. So he asks about it. And you can sort of tell that Dick Holleran is fearful. Mm -hmm. And so again, you're really upping this feeling of anticipation. But, like, an anxious anticipation. Yeah, because Danny's like, you know... He tells him to, well, he tells him to stay out of the room. Yeah, because he's like, oh, you know, room 237, just scared of it. And, and he's like, well, there's nothing, nothing bad happened in room 237, and you have no reason to go there, so stay away. And it's like, that's not a very rational response. Are you, that kid is immediately going to go to that room. Mm -hmm. Just because you said that. Stay out. So now we're on day one. Yeah, because we get these, like, title cards throughout the film. Yeah. I, I, I love a title card, personally. Mm -hmm. um, day one. So it all it's, it all starts out happy enough. Yeah, so Wendy brings Jack breakfast in bed. And he's saying about how, you know, she's like, oh, how's the writing going, honey? <laughs> and he's basically saying he's, like, got no good ideas. And he's clearly annoyed just by her existence. I wrote, Jack hates her. Yeah. Like he Why does. do you hate your wife so much? And Shelley Duvall's great. Hi. Hi, I'm Shelley Duvall. I'm Shelley Duvall. <laughs> she is great. I love her so much. Like, I don't understand why he's so mean to and her. And she's so, like, perky and chipper. She's just like, okay, honey. And, yeah, just, he's just annoyed by her existence. And he's very, and he's very dismissive of her. Mm -hmm. Um... Anything she says, or yeah, it's he's rude. He's straight he up rude. He's just he's an asshole. And yeah, so then he's in like this big room, and he's basically like that's his writing space. And he's just bouncing. A well, it's like the ballroom, isn't it? Or no, it's like yeah, the staircase. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's where the staircase. staircase yeah, yeah, it's almost like it's the reception, like, like lobby. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, he's th is this where he's throwing the ball against the wall? Yeah, and yeah. Wendy and Danny are like, you know, he's bouncing the ball around, and he's looking around the room, and Wendy and Danny go out side and there's now this like giant hedge maze which i swear you don't see at the beginning when you see the hotel no you don't yeah but also it, there is like a miniature yeah. in the lobby of the hotel and the outside surrounding areas and you can see the maze and again there's some really interesting shots where it's like you're looking at the miniature and then you see wendy and danny running through the maze yeah, so like, it's, it's like very it's, brilliant yeah so it's like he's watching them from above you good? <laughs> but yeah, so like, yeah, they're, uh... And the music is so disturbing in this part, and you're just kind of thinking, why? It's like this innocent scene where they're just frolicking in the maze Running in the snow. Happily and, through a maze. And then yet you've got this incredibly 
um, like impending doom <laughs> music. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> see, what I think what what we're going for here is the passing of time. Yeah, time is passing, Jenny. They want to make sure you know that time is passing. And the thing is, the movie does this really well. It makes you feel like you've been there yep. forever. By this point in the film, I'm like, this has been like four hours, right? But there's also, the, I feel like it creates the sense of familiarity where you almost feel like you've been there before. Well, and as well with the hotel, it's supposed to be this massive hotel. But if you think about it, you only ever see like the same locations. You see the hallway, you see their little apartment. But that's because, and they say in the interview part, they're in like a wing. They, yeah. they live in a but particular They live wing. in the wing, like in an apartment in like yeah. a staff wing. But then they have to. But then obviously they have to go to all the rest of the hotel. So, but, so you, you see the kitchen, you see the maze, you see the lobby, and then you see the corridor and room 237. And then you see the ballroom later on. But like... Oh, and you see the like telephone switch operator room. Yeah, like where the other radio is. is. But it's like you don't see like... You know, whenever you see Danny in the corridor, he's always outside room 237. And it's like it's almost like the hotel play is playing tricks on you. Like you see it as this massive, massive, massive building, but it's really just. But you you only ever see the same five the same areas, yeah, like five locations mm. on repeat. So it creates that kind of ice, like you're trapped feeling because you're they you know, they're essentially trapped at this property in this hotel. But it makes it feel small. Setting as a character, honestly, again, mm-hmm. and it's this idea, and and all gr- many great horror films do this. I feel where you have a stressful situation, whatever happening, right? And then to heighten things, you put it in a, you're trapped in an underground cave in the descent, Mm -hmm. or in this instance, you're like trapped in this hotel for five months. There's this sense of walls closing in around you that, yeah, just heightens everything. It just takes it to the next level. So then you get a, uh, the It's cards. not Tuesday. It's Tuesday. In it's case, Tuesday. In case you weren't sure what day it was, it's Tuesday. Um, Danny's back on his bike. I wrote Wendy's opening a giant fruit cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> she is. It's like this big. Yeah, it's massive, she's massive like, too. She's like turning this old fashioned can opener to open it. Danny's on his bike. And We're having a fruit cocktail for weeks. <gasps> weeks. Every meal. Every meal's fruit what's cocktail. The, what's for dinner, honey? Steak and fruit cocktail. <laughs> Mmm, delicious. Yeah, and this is when you like again. You see like the carpet, and you have this incredible design. And he looks up, and I think he's outside room two three seven. Of course. And the yeah. twins are watching him. The sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, when you hear the weather, you hear the weather report. Yes. There's like a storm There's coming. A big storm coming. So you kind of hear this sound of Jack typing, and this really seemingly innocuous, mundane sound, in this big empty hall. It like echoes. The way, again, the soundscape is just so incredible. And it, it's, you get this kind of steady rhythm of the typewriter going. And you think, okay, Jax, he's working. He's making some progress. Chapter three, he's going at it. And Wendy interrupts him to tell him about the storm. Um, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he literally down. tells her to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he's like, you know. I wrote, Jack is an abusive dick. That's yep. literally, yeah. He says, like, if you hear me type, if I'm in this room and you hear me typing, yeah. and you can't interrupt me, if you, I'm in this room and I'm not, you don't hear typing, you know, I'm, I'm working. And he said, if I'm in this room, don't interrupt me. And honestly, if a man ever spoke to me like that, I would, you know. I wrote in my notes, I would not. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not sure what that means. But... I'd punch him in the tip. Yeah. But also, 
And this goes back to other conversations we've had. Would it work as well if women weren't as oppressed as they were back then? Because, mm-hmm. like, look at something like Rosemary's Baby. We talked about this quite in depth where part of, like, a device that works so well is the time in which it takes place. That it was, like, the 50s and 60s and women were relegated to, like, having babies and being home and the men were very much in charge. And so I feel like the seventies things are not that much better. (laughs) And so he does kind of get away with talking to her like this. I mean, she is very subordinate to him. She's like, okay, honey. Okay, honey. Yeah. She backs, backs out of the room slowly. And this thing, I'm like, this is my main problem. He's just so unlikable, but we never get to to see him. You know, at no point do we like him. No, but I feel like what should really happen is that when it starts, you like him, he's a nice guy. Well, and I think and... that's what the book played up, yeah. so that you have this empathy with him that you just don't get in the film. Anyway, now it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Wendy and Danny are running through the storm. They're playing in the snow. They're playing in the snow. And this the, here you start to get these shots of Jack just staring, staring at things. Alarmingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a way that only Jack Nicholson could. <laughs> He's doing the most. Doing the most with the least. He has the, I'm just picturing Stanley Kubrick in my mind. He's like, right, I'm going to need you to stare at this wall. Yeah. Jack, I need you to... M- more eyebrows. More. <laughs> more eyebrows, Jack. I want you to act entirely through your eyebrows. Don't move any other part of your face. Don't uh, breathe. <sighs> I mean, who else could play this role? Well, because Stephen King always wanted Harvey Keitel. Keitel? Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Yeah. He wanted a Harvey Keitel. You'd probably get more of a character arc. Yep. <laughs> He'd probably play the beginning at least a little bit more likably. I mean, I like Harvey Keitel. He's the wolf. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know. I was thinking like <laughs> I'm trying to think of like seventies actors like Mr. Rogers or like <clears throat> someone safe. So that you really get like a <laughs> Well he doesn't look like that then. Is <laughs> that Jack Nicholson? Yeah. So um so after Jack stares at things for a while. <laughs> It's now Saturday. It's now Saturday. Time's oh, passing. I don't know if you knew. Did you notice? Um, did you notice? I think some time's passed. It's been a few days. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's been staring at the wall the whole time. Um, there's a storm. Yeah, there's a storm. So Wendy goes to speak with this forest service people. I'm not really sure. No, I think I think they're actually like the fire service. Because I thought they were police at first. Because she gets the radio. And she's like, pause for a second. What's happening? It was a spider on the wall and she just killed oh. it. You're a hero. Hello. She's a hero. Here's that Spider down. Um, what day is it, Jenny? It's now Saturday. What day? It's Saturday. What, Saturday? Saturday. Um, Jack is typing. Wendy is smoking. Like, did they bring a stash of cigarettes or is oh, that yeah. just like... Oh, 100%. She probably bought about like 15 cartons of them. Yeah. Because she's just like smoking. Um, and yeah, she realizes the phone lines are down. And she goes to like the radio and she's like ra- radioing. And I thought it was the police at first. 
and then it turns out it's not. It was. I think later on they say it's like the fire service or something. K2K1 calling K2K2. Yeah. K2K12 or something. And they uh, and she's basically like, oh, our phone. We're at the Overlook Hotel. Like, we're, we're, the phone line's not working, and they're like, yeah, the phone lines are down because of the storm. And they said, you know, it might be, they might not come back on till spring. Keep your radio on. Like yes. we think it's wise for you to keep your radio on at all times, just so that we can contact you. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Danny on the bike. Mm -hmm. So this is probably like the fourth, fifth time you've seen Danny just kind of exploring on his little, like pedal bike. Um, and he see and he sees at the end of the hall. He sees the girls, and they say, "Hello, Danny, come play with us." <laughs> Hello, Danny, come play with us forever. Uh -huh. And ever. And as Jenny is demonstrating in this scene, intercut with this come play with us is scenes of them basically like dead and all chopped up yeah. in the hallway with like blood everywhere. It, like flashes. Yeah. You get flashes of it. And it is uh it's scary. It's well, it's one of the most iconic horror scenes ever. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then, and then you've got Tony and Danny having yeah, a chat. Because Danny's talking to Tony, his finger friend. And it's like, don't worry, Danny. You're He's like, remember, they're only like figments or they're only in your head. They're, they're, they're just like pictures in a book, that Danny. Was it. That was yeah. it. They can't hurt you. I'm like, yes, Tony, your finger friend will protect you. Um, I'm conf My notes here are just very confusing. Well, but... we're now on Monday, I think, as far as I've got. Oh god, I didn't write the day down. I'm lost. I'm lost. Oh no, you're what lost in it? time. Monday. So it's two days later, in case you weren't sure. There's two days. What, Monday? There's two days between Saturday and Monday. Danny's like in their apartment and it's almost Jack's sat on the edge of his bed and Danny's trying to almost like sneak past him. Past his creepy dad. He's like, no, Is this like he's watching TV? Are you watching TV? No, he's just sitting staring. Like off the side of the bed, being creepy and Jack Nicholson. But see, I wonder if this is like another weird. Okay, so the one that so the scene that I have is yeah. Uh, so Danny kind of comes into like the the room, and he kind of sneaks past, and he's trying to like creep past his dad, and he says like, "No, come here." Yes. And sits him on his lap, and he's just been like super creepy. Okay, so gives him a cuddle. The scene that I have. This is so weird that our versions are so different. So that Wendy and Danny are watching TV. They're just sitting there watching TV. And behind the TV is like a huge window and you can see like the snow's coming down, like really emphasizing the storm. Um, and it's just, it, she talks about something like making lunch. She's asking him about like what he wants for lunch. And she says, dad just went to bed, but he wants to go get something. He wants to go get something out of the room. And so she makes him promise not to wake up dad. Oh. And then here, so you've got this yes. little, just little bit of character, I don't know, insight that they cut. And I wonder, like, was that... You said that Stanley Kubrick wanted to cut it, yeah. or was it, like, just because it was too long? Or no, was... no, he just thought it would be more effective. Huh. Let's take out all the characters. <laughs> we don't need it at all. Um, but, yeah, so he's got... So this is where he tries to sneak in, and Jack's already sitting up. Yeah. Okay, so now yeah, we're yeah. in the same place. Okay. Yeah, so he sits And this shot, up. to me, this shot is so... There's something so menacing and scary about how cl they're close proximity. Like, he pulls Danny onto his lap, and it's like, this is supposed to be someone who loves you, this that you is trust. To be, yeah, this is supposed to be his dad, yet why do I feel instantly that he's in danger? Instantly, like, he's in danger, yeah. yeah. Like, what are you going to do to Danny? Yeah. And I feel like Danny 
feels it too. I don't know. He seems very reluctant to sit on his dad's lap. I just, I love this shot. Um, and just, you know, do you like this hotel? I love it. it the whole thing is so yeah. creepy. So I want you to like the hotel. And then he's like, I love, Jack's like, I love the hotel. I wish we could stay here. Forever, Forever and ever, ever. <laughs> and ever. He, yeah, because he, because Danny like point blank asks him about yeah. the hotel. Actually, <laughs> he also asks him. He's like, Dad, you wouldn't ever hurt mommy and me, would you? And he, and like he responds in such a way, like Jack's like, Did your mother like? Oh yeah, he's mad. Yeah, he's mad about it. I'm like that does not fill you with confidence the way he answers that question. Would you ever hurt me or mommy? What? <laughs> Let me get out. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly angry about this. Um, yeah, and now it's Wednesday. What? What day? Wednesday. 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 I also have in my notes. Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Thank God for these cards. I'd have no idea time was passing. I know. <laughs> um, I didn't realize time works that way. Oh, by the way, Danny's wearing a jumper here that says Apollo thirteen. It's like the best <sighs> jumper ever, and I want one. I would totally it's win. Apollo 11 and it's part of the conspiracy. It was Apollo 13. Yeah. But it's all about to do with, you know, this is why there's a conspiracy that Stanley Kubrick directed the moon landing when he. Stop it. Oh no, this is a genuine thing. So, no obviously, way. people that believe the moon landing was fake believe that Stanley Kubrick directed it and that there are some spoilers or hidden. Hidden in the shining. Yeah. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. C37 <laughs> is open. It's yeah. open for and business. this is what I mean. So, like, Danny's always cycling around these corridors, and whenever he stops, he's all, all playing with his trucks on the carpet, and he looks up, and suddenly he's back at 237. Mm -hmm. So this is why you get this feeling like that. Of all this, you know, he's trying to avoid this room. He's not going to be playing outside of it, yet he, the hotel, like, seems to warp itself, and he finds himself outside this hotel or without this room. Well, it's like you said, it's playing tricks on you. Yeah. No matter, you can't escape and that, it. And, it, and even if... Even if nothing supernatural is happening, it still creates this very like claustrophobic. So no matter where you what you do, you can't hide from you know you can't avoid this thing. Mm. It's inevitable. Mm. I am inevitable. Yeah. So Wendy's like checking shit. I don't know what she's checking, but I think the implication here is she's like the only adult around. Well, she's the only yeah. one doing anything. That she's the only one actually doing the job that Jack was hired to do. <laughs> right. Jack was hired. She's there in like her overall kind of outfit, and yeah, yeah. she's like doing she's got like tools, putting the in. heat on, yeah. and yeah, and like Danny thinks he sees like the room. She's got like a checklist. Yeah, and Danny's back in the corridor, and he thinks he sees his mum going to room two three seven because the door's open, so he goes in. He's like, Mommy? Okay. See, I have a different thing. So, Jack's having a nightmare. Yeah. And Wendy hears him making noises and goes in to, like, comfort him. She's, like, screaming. And as she's doing this, Danny wanders in. So, Danny has gone into room 237. Oh, that's right, because then she finds the yeah. bruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, here, because he, he's like, Mommy? And, like, he thinks his mom is, because he sees, like, yes. a woman or something. He sees like, the door open. But you never see what happens to him in room 237. No, you don't. You just see him go in and be like... Right. Yeah. So, then Danny wanders in while Wendy's trying to comfort Jack. And she's like, Dad, she's got a headache. Well, it's the bit before that. So, like, when he's, like, so he's screaming and screaming and screaming... And she wakes him up and he says, I had the most terrible dream. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I dreamt that I killed you and Danny. I didn't just kill you. I chopped you into little, little pieces. pieces. Yeah. And, yeah, he's, like, sobbing. And this is the only point where, actually, like, you feel that he has any sort of empathy or compassion or love for or his has family. has a heart on any level. Yeah, that yeah. he isn't already psychotic. 
because he's genuinely like upset that he's had this dream that he's killed his wife yes. and son. And yeah, Danny walks in and he's like clearly traumatized. traumatized. Yeah. yeah, he's like almost like in a trance. He's yeah. got this like big bruise on his neck. And Wendy just loses it. She's yeah. just basically like, "You did this to Jack." Yeah. Now, do you think that all of this conflict and and disability to communicate, inability, inability to communicate, comes from the hotel playing tricks, or do you think this is their family dynamic? I think it's a bit of both. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and as well, for me, because at this point, this is the first time that you hear that that she has any sort of suspicion that he might have hurt, that, you know, because at this point, we haven't, I haven't had the doctor scene. Mm. I don't know that Jack's previously, you know, got drunk and hurt Danny. Mm. So she's just like, sees these bruises and he can't talk and she's like, you did this. Like, and this to me, that is such a jump. Like, but then I am wondering when I'm thinking, when I'm hearing like you explain certain scenes that are cut from mine, I think it makes mine scarier because you don't have anything like leading you to the like mm. leading to this, leading to that. But is it's it just more... what you just believe that she's jumping to this conclusion without any prior? Well, it's almost like you know he's been acting weird, he's been acting creepy. They're the only ones in this hotel. Danny or Jack? Just well, they they're all. <laughs> They're all strange. But yeah. Um, well, this is where just all the shit hits the fan. So uh, she runs, Wendy runs off with Danny. Yeah. Like to, to look after him, basically. Um, and Jack is now sort of like stalking down the hallway and he's pissed off and he sees the bar and he go and the bar is empty and he goes to sit at the bar because he wants a drink. And again, this is where like knowing his alcoholic background, I don't know, is it scarier with that? To me, it just makes more sense. That he's sitting at the yeah. bar. Yeah. And, then, and it also to... fucks with the idea that, like, is when the bartender shows up, is it real? Or is this, like, he having some kind of withdrawal yeah. hallucination? Well, for me, it's like, is he has he just, like, had a complete psychotic break? Because yeah, he goes into the bar, sits down, and he's like, you know, the only one there, it's all very quiet. And he's like, I'd do anything for a drink. And then he says, I'd sell myself for a glass of beer. Mm-hmm. And then when he looks up, everything changes like it's brighter you can like hear background noise and the bartender is there lloyd lloyd the bartender and he's and he's not like shocked by this he's just like looks up and smiles like hi lloyd like oh i was expecting you yeah and lloyd's is slow tonight yeah (laughs) so he he starts talking to him and this thing like there's no i've got written here like there's no subtlety to this there's no gradual slip into madness he's just batshit from well, it's like, oh, now you're full-blown hallucinating. Yeah. Or and if you're not hallucinating, then it's like the ghosts are just... He doesn't even grapple with whether or not it's real. There's no... Like you said, there's he just accepts it immediately. Yeah. He's just like, yay. He asks for yeah. a bottle of bourbon. Yeah. He's like, I've got got two 20s and 10 in my wallet. <laughs> How about you just hand me a bottle of bourbon? And then he's like, oh, I have no money. Then he's like, oh. He like opens the wallet, it's like flies come out. <laughs> it's totally empty. So then, and the way that he speaks to Lloyd also is interesting. When you learn what happens at the end, like when you see the ending, this sense of familiarity that he has with Lloyd is really interesting to watch, especially the first time around. Because again, it's just this full and complete acceptance mm-hmm. of everything that he's seeing. Like he's an old friend. And so he starts drinking. Starts drinking yeah. Jack Daniels. He's drinking and he's talking. And he says, you know, I never touched him. I never laid a goddamn finger on his goddamn head. Mm-hmm. Well, she'll never let me forget it. Like, I hurt him once three years ago. 
Yes, and hearing you get the story in your case for the first time, and in mine, it's like the first time you hear Jack's kind of side of it. And in this, my version, I believe he calls his wife a sperm bank. Oh, okay. I, think. I, I mean, I don't have that written down. I mean, I have sperm bank written in my notes. I can't imagine I would just make that up, but maybe I would. Maybe it's you me. were distracted by so. something. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Was there an advert for a sperm bank? I rented this movie and paid good money for it. So no, there were no adverts. <laughs> but the, Jack, but Jack's version is just vastly different, and he yeah. blames Wendy massively for what happened. Um, and he like acts like she like holds it against him. Where actually, I don't think she has. And you, and the, and the feeling that you get as well is that Jack finally gets to say all the things he's all, always wanted to. He's been holding it in. Oh yeah. And that's the things like you know when he just lets loose when he's having the interview. It's almost only when he's been like shown around the hotel with Wendy and things by the manager before he over. It's like he's got this like mask on. He's like he's holding back oh, all yeah. his like crazy. This like and fake he, smile. Yeah, everything's yeah. fake and everything's like held back and it's like you can feel the intensity of how much mad you know, everything he's holding back. Even when he's like you know, shouting at Wendy, it still feels like he's holding back. So yeah, it's like it's not surprising when all this stuff comes out because it's like, well you it's a release. Yeah. He's just waiting for that release. Yeah, for sure. Um, and at this point, Wendy reemerges. She comes running in. She run, comes running in, crying, talking about a woman. Danny has said that a woman tried to strangle him. Yeah. Um, so, 237. It's all about room 237. It's all about two, room 237. So then we, for the first time in quite a long period of time, I mean, you're probably like a good hour and a half into the movie, I'd say, maybe. Yeah. For the first time, you cut to a setting outside of the hotel. Yeah. So you're taken out of this, and it shows us back to Dick Holleran, a.k.a. Scatman Brothers, and he is watching, he's in Florida, by He's the in way. Miami. Love it. Love it. And his artwork. Can we please talk about his artwork? Go on. If you have ever seen the cover of, like, an Outcast album, where you've got these very, like, uh, I don't know, Pam Greer kind of, like, afro black <laughs> women, naked, like, very sexual. I, there's probably a name for it, this art movement. I don't know. But all of the pictures on his wall are, like, graphic, naked, gorgeous black women mm -hmm. with afros no did you not notice this oh i did <laughs> but I'm, I'm enjoying your description <laughs> check out the outcast album that's all i'm saying <laughs> um but yeah so he's at his he's in miami and he is the shining is kind of like interfering well he, he's watching the news and they're talking about this like storm in colorado so obviously he's thinking about like danny um like how he is and he starts getting this vision and yeah he kind of sees what Danny saw in room 237 um well I mean we don't know what Danny saw but he sees it's like he's seeing through Danny's eyes he's seeing this vision well because then also you see Danny like shaking yeah. and like drooling and this image of him yeah. yeah so he knows that there's something wrong and you have this incredible high pitched like sound while he's having this vision and then it's like this like weird music with like beating it's just very unnerving unsettling and makes you feel kind of uncomfortable um and then you've got back to the hotel and you've got jack he's going to check out yeah room he's going to room 237 because he's like i've just got to get to the bottom of this <laughs> but yes you've got the soundtrack here has this heartbeat 
like underpinning the sound and it's just imminent doom mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean it's it's very uh, terrifying um and so he goes into the room and I, of course at this point as a viewer i'm like P- please show me what's in the room yeah i'm like dying to know what's in the room so he goes in the room and it's a beautiful naked woman in the bathtub yeah she kind of climbs out it's all in slow motion very slow full bush yep Full huh. 70s bush. How many points for the bush? Like, 9.5. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in Get Him to the Greek where they're, like, stroking the wall. Stroking the very wall. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, right. Sometimes you have to read the bush. So, she's coming towards him. Slowly. Slowly. Very slowly. Scarily. Yeah, and he's just being there, like, smiling all perfect, like, yeah. He's like, yeah. Again, Hot not questioning, no, no concern whatsoever about, what's this woman doing in this hotel? And, or, you know, my, my son has just been attacked. Attacked. But wait a minute, a bush. But she's naked. And there's a bush. There's a bush. I'm going to stroke her very well. <laughs> so, she comes towards him. He embraces her. Yeah, it's like let's just make out with this complete kiss. strange. Yeah, he's up. like he's having the best day ever. He's like yeah. half cut from Lloyd. Now there's yeah. like a naked woman in his arms. Yeah, this is a great day. So they're making out, and then he sees her in the mirror, the bathroom mirror, behind him. He sees her the reflection of her back, and he realizes that she's like she's a corpse. She's like rotting and decaying, like yeah, the, like. Yeah. And he's like, mm, and she starts cackling. She starts cackling, and this and the, this scene is intercut with Danny again, like shaking and yep. drooling, and um, and then you you're back to like Dick Holleran yep. in Miami. He's trying to call the hotel, and, and he's he, trying to call. The he hotel. realizes that the phone's down. He can't connect. It's room two three seven. Like it's game over. Yeah. Like he. The thing is that he should know, right? I feel like he should know. Mm. It's not gonna end well if you go yeah. there. But I think he wants to save Danny. Um, Jack anyway. comes back and back to the apartment. And he's like, "No, I didn't see anything. I definitely didn't just make out with a a dead body, a dead body of a um, hot woman." Yeah, and he's really calm. He's even I've written down. He's super calm considering he made out with a ghost. <laughs> um, and yeah, so he tries to suggest that Danny did it to himself. Yes. Um, that maybe, you know, it's like a cry for help or something. And again, this is sort of intercut with Danny, who's now lying. Like, almost like he's in a coma. Like, he's just... He's, like, lying, listening to them argue, basically, mm. isn't he? Like, lying in the bed. And, yeah, and, like, he's like, oh, you want to... Wendy's like, oh, we should probably get Danny out here. If oh, you, if you... she... He gaslights the shit out of her. Yeah. So it's like, he's the one saying that his infant son, uh, you know, six-year-old son has bruised his own neck for attention. Yeah. Um, Obviously disturbed. And when Wendy's, Wendy's just leaving and going to the doctor's, he flips. Yeah. He starts going up saying, I've let you fuck up my life so far, but I'm not going to let you fuck, fuck this, this up. up. Yeah. Like, just keeps going He's on He's basically, and on. like, massively abusive. Yeah. Just sh- and she's crying. And it's, again, here we have this, like, build-up that's just, it's brilliant to watch. I mean, it like you said, it is a masterpiece, especially this part, like, once you hit the accelerator, like he, he, you don't let go. So you, he starts stalking down the hallway, and he hears music, and he turns into the ballroom, the previously empty ballroom. This is like where the bar was with Lloyd, and it's like full. Yeah. It's like New Year's Eve or something. Yeah, it's like a big party. It's like a whole big 
full, it's like a 20s, a flapper party or like mm-hmm. Gatsby party or something. I actually really love this part. The scene is just so meticulously done, like the attention to detail, like the way that the room has the exact same layout, only now it's just the contrast of it, like full of people, completely empty. The shots are the same, like you're looking at yeah. it at the same angle. Yeah, it is It is perfect. And yeah, it's very busy. And this time when he opens his, his wallet, it's full of money. And Lloyd's like, oh, your money's no good here, sir. And then he gets up and he gets a drink kind of knocked on him. Oh, yeah. Uh, someone's... Oh, but yeah, but well, I forgot the line. So like Lloyd's like, oh, you know, your money's not good here, sir. Um, and he's like, oh, someone's paid for your drinks or something. And he's like, well, a man likes to know who's buying his drinks. And, um, and Lloyd says, you said something like you... You don't need to know yet. You don't need to know yet. And it's like, oh. Oh. And he, he's happy. He's perfectly happy with that. But it's like, okay, because someone's trying to soften you up. Somebody wants well, the, 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 the so, hotel wants you. <laughs> no, you belong to the hotel. So, yeah, so someone has spilled a drink on Jack. Advocar. Advocar? Yeah, do you remember when you came for Christmas once and we had snowballs that are like these weird, frothy, like almost creamy fizzy drinks because you were very confused it's a very 70s yes yeah it's it's like a that's what he spilled on him yeah <laughs> love it yeah, i love that car. you know that uh but then you have this bathroom scene and again something that i think stanley kubrick does so well is taking these totally ordinary situations someone trying to like clean something off your shirt in the bathroom and makes them like so frightening <laughs> and again it's like this this sinister feeling and this menacing energy I don't know it's... well what I love is like this film is essentially a haunted house film yeah it's a film you know if you, if, if we I think both of us are, are of the opinion that it is ghosts it's not it's not, it's not all yeah. in Jack's head no um so you know we're going out from a ghost story you think about horror films you think about ghost films haunted house films everything is very dark you know, things are hiding in shadows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This film is so brightly lit. Yeah. There are no shadows. No. Especially when he goes into this bathroom, it's like oh, yeah. vibrant, like red and pink. Mm. And, you know, it's so bright. That's so lit. true. The, light, the lighting, especially in the bathroom and in the party, it's all very, very bright. Everything. The whole, yeah. you know, every room in the corridors, they're brightly lit. In the kitchen, it's brightly lit. In room 237, it's not all dark and, no. you know... It's brightly lit. But the thing is... There is no darkness in So what, what what do you think makes people believe that it's, like, all in his head? Like, how readily he just accepts it? Like, there's no yeah. fear? Yeah. He never has any fear of these apparitions, I guess. Yeah. And it's why it doesn't really make sense to me, because if, if it's all in his head, then what is Danny seeing? That kind of, of course. It, it kind of discounts the whole, you know, shining thing. Like Which is like the whole supernatural element yeah, to it exactly. as well. But yeah, so they uh, they got this party and he's... Oh yeah, yeah, when he's so in the bathroom, Jack reminds Grady... Well, he's like, oh, you're Del, but Grady. But this is the thing, so... He was, he's like, you chopped up your... Well, he's like, you're Del, but Grady. I saw your picture in the paper. Mm-hmm. But the guy, the caretaker, the previous caretaker who killed his family in 1970 was Charles Grady. So how do you know that? Because the the guy, the hotel manager at the beginning, says the previous caretaker, Charles Grady. Oh, he doesn't say Delbert. No, no. I, I don't think so. Unless I'm wrong, but I've got like Delbert Grady. I mean, and I have Delbert Grady here too. And Delbert Grady 
he says it's the old manager, not the old caretaker. Yeah, because he says you've always been you've the care- always yeah. been the caretaker. So it, yeah, so, um, yeah, which is... then Jack's like, oh, you killed. And I love how calm he is talking to him. He's like, you killed your family. You chopped them up with an axe, and then you shot yourself. <laughs> and he's like, hmm, I'm not sure about that, sir. And he's like, oh, you're in, um, he's like, oh, and Delbert, like, Grady keeps saying to him things like, oh, you're the important one, sir. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the special one. Mm-hmm. You've always been the caretaker. Um, and then he warns him about his son. He warns him about Danny. Yeah, he says, you know, like, basically, like, Danny is a, uh, a willful boy. Yeah, a willful boy. And your son is trying to bring an outside party in. Mm-hmm. And N-word. N-word cook. Yes, yes, N-word cook. He has a very special talent. And uh, he's basically telling Jack that he needs to murder his wife and son. He's like, they need a talking to. Yeah. For your wife, your wife and kid. He says something like he corrected them. Yes, yeah, so he says <laughs> about how, like... Um, one of his daughters didn't like the hotel and she tried to burn it down so he corrected her when his wife tried to stop him he corrected her too so that's when he's saying like you know basically his daughter tried to burn the hotel down because she didn't she knew it was evil she knew, yeah and he killed her and then while he was killing his daughters his wife tried to stop her so he like killed his wife as well and then killed himself it's very scary that mm-hmm. scene it's very scary Especially because Jack's just like, yeah, you're right. I should, I should go and kill I my wife. I will correct child. them. Yeah, they need correcting. So he like goes off, and then because obviously we've seen um, Wendy with the radio, mm-hmm. and we know Halloran has called like the local fire brigade or whoever it was that we saw earlier, <laughs> yeah. and said that there's a family up at the hotel. Can you please like check on them? And like, oh yeah, we'll call on the radio. Like, call us back. Mm. And so you know that they like they're going to be trying to contact them on the radio. And Jack goes into the radio room and basically, like, destroys the radio. Pulls it apart. Oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. Because you also have this scene with Wendy and Danny. Danny is, like, in a trance. Yes. And And this is where you get the red red rum. Uh, not quite there yet. Did I skip some things? You've skipped some bits. So (laughs) we've got, um... So yeah, Halloran is, like... Obviously, the hotel can't get hold of them, so Halloran decides to fly back. Mm-hmm. You see him like on a plane, yeah. And Wendy's walking around with a baseball bat looking for Jack, and this is when she goes into the room because he hasn't come back from. Uh, yeah, I've got all this. This is different orders. Yeah, because so you just have so many good shots here. Yeah, like, it's, it's just good shot it's after easy to good get distracted. shot. So you've got this is where she's walking. And she walks into the lobby and she sees all his writing. And she looks at what the page and the thing, and it's you know all work and no play, and she starts going through all of like the pages and pages and pages that he's been writing. The See, past I've, few months. I've I've got a scenes here that you don't have. Oh, like I've got so it's just slightly different order, but you've got like Jack removing the computer pieces from the radio. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Holleran, and he's like just super stressed because he can't get through to everyone, anyone. So like you said, he gets on a plane. He's going to Denver, and then you have a scene. This huge wide shot of Jack typing, like super wide with a huge fire of him just typing, 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 typing. And then you've got Holleran's plane landing. I think your version skipped all of this. Yeah, it did. You've got the plane landing and it says the people at the Overlook are completely unreachable. And so that's when he rents a snow car. So it yeah, shows him all like, of this. Yes. Yeah, it's it like a little bit. You're kind of missing like some plot points though. Mm-hmm. Like, aren't you kind of like, how did Holleran get there? <laughs> you see him on the plane. 
Um, but yeah, because then he gets in a snow car. Yeah. Because like that's how bad the storm is. Um, and then in my version, it's like the next day. I think if you're going by like the daylight, but Wendy and Danny are both in the same clothes. Like they've been up all night, and now Danny's watching morning cartoons, and she has a baseball bat and she's calling for Jack. And then she discovers yeah, so that she just got. So you don't have any of no, that. No, so mine Crazy. goes from. Okay. Um, yeah, like you've got Jack taking apart the radio. Hala mm. runs on a plane, mm-hmm. uh, fly, and it's like talking about the storm. And then Wendy's walking around with a baseball bat and she's looking for Jack. And yeah, she just sees the typewriter there and it's got the page. It was very famous, you know, all work, no play. And she's reading it and she sees all of these pages and pages of writing. So everything he's done over the whole time there. And it's just the same thing. The same line. Same line. But I love the fact it's all like formatted like different as it would be in a book. He got real creative with that part. Yeah. And he's just, you know, just in case you're in doubt, he's batshit crazy. And he's approaching her and he's just being weird. And he's like, something needs to be done about Danny. This whole scene is so stressful. Yeah. Like the the tension is as high as it could possibly be. And these are all very iconic lines as well. Like this is probably this kind of sequence is is the most refer- I mean mm-hmm. it is a very referential film, but this particular scene. So it, he's like preying on her. He is stalking her down and she is walking backwards up the stairs. She's still got her bat. She's got her bat and she's just like paralyzed with fear. You can see that he instills in her even without the this level of craziness. Yeah. Like he she's so terrified of him. She just can't even react. Um she does finally whack him though. But it's because he says things and she's like, um she's like she says, I'm very confused, I need to think things over and she's like, Don't hurt me. And he says, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains brains in. in. Bash your fucking brains in. At this point, I'm just like, hit the fucker. Hit him. Hit him. You've got the bat. And she does. She She does eventually. She whacks him. I was cheering for her. I'm like, yes. Like, she does the, like, she knocks him out. He falls Mm -hmm. on the stairs, bangs his head. And she does the smart thing and drags him into the kitchen and locks him in one of the Locks him in the walk-in freezer. Yeah. Oh, no. The pantry? Well, it isn't a cold one. It's not like the fridge or the freezer. Um, and even and this part is now he knows he's like I have to try a different tactic because Mm -hmm. she's got the upper hand so he starts trying to like play he starts trying to play on her she's an empath so she grabs she locks him in she grabs a knife and he's like Wendy baby I think you hurt my head real bad Bad. yeah come take gaslighting prick for sure um and then I think she says something like she's going to go call for help. Well, no, she said, I'm going to go call for help. And then I'm going to take Danny in the snowmobile and we're going to go and get, you know, get some help. And he starts laughing and he's like, go on then, go and check them. I've got a surprise for you. And that's when she runs, you see like for the first time in ages, you see her like outside the hotel in a snowstorm and she runs to the shed and he's taken apart the snowmobile. He, what did he do? He, he cut removed, the wire. Yeah. Yeah. For the sidewinder. And... And of course, as we know, he's disabled the radio. Yeah. So now it's 4 p.m. It's 4 p.m. So now we're not going through days, we're going through hours. And Jack kind of wakes up in his, he's like falling asleep in in the pantry or wherever it is, the cupboard. And Grady, he's knocking and it's Grady. I and others feel you don't have the belly for it, sir, is what he keeps saying. Mm. Um, It's like your wife is stronger than we thought, more resourceful. And basically he, he kind of promises to kill her. Like, Jack promises to kill his wife, and the door unlocks, and the, the ghosts let him out. They have, yeah, they have a little heart-to-heart mm-hmm. about killing Wendy. 
Yeah. And then uh, it shows Holleran, and he's in his snow cart. Now, this you maybe didn't have this scene. Yeah. She, oh, no, 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 yeah. Holleran for him driving up. Um, it's and, actually really beautiful. It's all, like, snowy and blue. It's beautifully shot. Um, and here you've got Danny red rumming it. Yeah, this is the red rum scene. And this terrifies me. Because he's, like, speaking in this weird voice, and it's just really quiet to begin with. Like, Wendy's asleep in the bed. Um... And yeah, Danny's just like walking around the room and he just starts off like really low. He's like, red, man. But in like a really weird, mm-hmm. like demonic voice. Mm-hmm. And he gets louder and louder and louder. And then he's like, while he's doing this, he's like picking up his mum's lipstick and he walks across the door and writes like really slowly, writes red rum on the door. And he's just like completely disassociated, like. Yeah, really he's walking, but it's this. It's like he's voice. possessed. Yeah, he's possessed. It sounds like a demon, and then it turns into his normal voice, saying it like faster and faster, and and like shouting. Wendy wakes up, and she's like, "Oh, Danny!" And she and he's grabbed a knife, as well. Yeah. He's picked up a giant knife, and then here you have Jack with the axe. Yep. Um. So yeah, so when because like Wendy looks up, and just before he like starts breaking down the door. She looks up and sees the red rum in the mirror and obviously it says murder. Yeah. And she's like basically screaming and as she starts screaming, yeah, Jack starts like trying to break the door down. And this is when Wendy just grabs Danny and locks him in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And you have the most um, advantageous snowdrift in the world because they're like on the third story, I think, pretty much. <laughs> and she opens the bathroom window <laughs> and there's like a perfect snow hill, like snowdrift yeah. all the way up to their window. And she pushes Danny out. And he just crawls. He just crawls and out. And she tries, bless her. She, she's super skinny. She's so skinny, but she can't fit. Yeah, so she's stuck in there. She isn't six, so... Yeah, she's stuck. And here you have the... The, the poster. The, the most famous thing. Yeah, the poster of... And didn't he improvise this line? I, I believe think so. I believe he did this, Here's Johnny! Yeah. Which is a play on the Johnny Carson show, which we're all too young for, but... Was a talk show back in the eighties, maybe seventies, eighties. Well, in this film came out nineteen eighty, so it's gonna be seventies. But he was—he stayed for like ages. Okay. But yeah, the Johnny Carson show. That he was like the predecessor to like Jay Leno, okay, and Letterman, this kind of thing. Yeah. So, but he would always come out and say, "Here's Johnny." So I think that's where, obviously, it's where he took it from. So, mm-hmm. but yes, where he's beating the door with the axe, chopping through it, right. and then he pops point, his face in. And I know we talk about, you know, the difference between women then and women now, but I was watching this with Andy, because, like, Wendy has a knife, mm-hmm. and Jack's coming through, and he's, like, hacking it through with the, with the axe, and he, like, pulls it. And it's like, at this point, if I was on the other side, because obviously he keeps getting the axe stuck, I would, at this point, grab the axe, pull it, say, bangs him, and just stab him. Yes, and I said to Andy, I'm like, look, even if, I'm sorry, babe, but even if you are possessed by an evil hotel, at this point, I'm still fucking you up. Yeah, you're you're coming out to me with an axe. Yeah, like, like I'm sorry. It's on. Yeah, I'm not fucking around. <laughs> you're going down. I will win this. I mean, it is, there are moments where you're frustrated with Wendy because you feel like she could easily take the upper hand here. Stab him in the arm. You have, like, a huge fuck-off knife. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Inflict some damage. But I also have to say, and I was kind of saying this earlier when we were chatting about it, I feel like this movie would be nothing without her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because without her performance of being terrified to ground it, it's just Jack Jack Nicholson Nicholson having the time of his life. Yeah, with his eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) 
episodes like you need her because it wouldn't it wouldn't be as scary it wouldn't be as frightening and even though it's frustrating it's also quite realistic she's probably in fucking shock well, I mean, yeah so it all looks kind of hopeless for her because she can't get out he's coming through the door but then you hear a noise and it's Halloran, Halloran arriving to and save the day. He's travelled all the way from Miami to Colorado. He has battled. He's arrived flights. in the Sidewinder. He's up here, battled a mountain in like a snowstorm. <laughs> He's come to save the day. He's really like, yeah, gone all out for this. He runs into the reception. Hello? 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 And Jack kills him with an axe. Yeah, that's him. It's actually, to me, one of the more disappointing parts of the film because I feel like it's such a waste of a good character, of a yeah. good opportunity, of a good anything. I mean, I guess maybe it was like a shock factor. Like, we're not expecting him to die straight away, so maybe Kubrick thought he was being edgy? I don't know. Mm. I think it's a missed opportunity. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I was very sad. Well, that was worth the journey then, wasn't it? And at this point we have like, the sound. It's all like weird, discordant chanting. It's very odd, yeah. but it's terrifying. I also have here, here's Danny. Like somebody, Jack chasing Danny. Like he hears him? What is that? So, yeah, because Danny was hiding in the kitchen and he sees his dad kill Halloran. Yeah. And then he runs. So Jack's running after Danny at this point. Mm -hmm. So poor Wendy is on her own. And this is when Wendy starts seeing all of the things that Danny's seen in his visions. So she's running around and she like stops because the bedroom doors open. And she sees like... It's 237, of course. Is it, was it 237? Yeah. There's a guy in there in a suit getting blown by another guy dressed as a dog. Dog giving a blowjob. Yeah, like what, yeah. what even is that? And I don't think we ever get any explanation of that. No, no. And I wonder if the book does, we I'm just don't know. I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure Andy said that there is something similar in the book and it's something to do, like, he's like the hotel's original owner or something. And he likes to wear a dog suit? No, he, the guy in the suit is and that the, the, there's, a, there's a whole like plot about him having like a, you know, being gay and having like a, a subservient, gay lover and and then and, and his problems that, like, like in the <laughs> you know, the in part. the 70s like if you look at the way that king writes about kind of like gay people it's not always in the most natural sense um so yeah but yeah so i, I mean do you it, think that it's scary this part when you finally like see what's in there well, not when you see this. I think the previous scene where Jackson there making out with the corpse woman, that is scary. And you see her, do you see her again? At, I'm trying to think. So at some point you see her again. She's like in the water. Mm. I think because basically Wendy's running around the hotel and she just sees all of these things one at a time. So she sees that. She sees like the elevator full of blood. Um, I think she see she's like just running around the hotel and yeah, she finds Halloran's body. Skeletons in party mode. How do I not remember this? I think it's because I watched a weird version. Yeah, so she's and she finds Halloran's body and then she looks up and like there's Grady there in like a party jacket and he's covered in blood mm -hmm. and he's laughing. Yes. Great party, isn't it? But th but this <laughs> He did sound just like that. But this is the emotional investment of the film. Yeah. Wendy chasing after Danny and trying to find Danny. Like, that's all you care about. Yeah. Jack, you, like you pointed out earlier, you never really, you never cared about him. No. You just, you just wanted Wendy and Danny to survive. Yeah. So, yes. The skeletons in party mode. I'm, gonna I'm not have, sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm sure. I'm going to have to look this up. 
was I when I was I maybe a little high when I watched this? Maybe. <laughs> Probably. But yeah. Um Danny then Danny's like in the maze and Jack is chasing him through the maze and Danny's smart. He is smart. So he makes... it's, it's snowing. Mm. So he's leaving footprints and he leaves like snowprints and then he realizes that his dad's just following. So he, when he gets far enough ahead, he gets to like a weird junction where there's loads of different turnoffs. He then like steps back into his own footprints and dives out of the way. Mm-hmm. And hides his footprints so that his dad can't see which way he went. And then he Smart hides. Smart little kid. Smart little kid. Yeah. And then this is where you get the elevator yes. of blood. Yeah. So Wendy sees the elevator like full of blood. Um, and then Danny sneaks back. Like, because he gets back, he sees his dad go in a different Off, direction yeah. looking for him. And his dad at this point is like, he can't even speak. No, he's just he's stumbling so around. And he's stumbling yeah. and he's just like, and the lighting in this whole scene, it's blue and it is quite dark, but still kind of bright. Like it's yeah. bright on the snow, but it's dark around the edges. Like the lighting is just so well done. Um, and you know, you're rooting the whole time. You're rooting for Danny and Wendy. And that's why I feel like that's, that's the investment. That's why I care on, on any level. Um, but but Jack stumbling around like yelling for Danny, it's very it's like he's the he's the monster. He's like yeah. fully transformed. Well, yeah, into so the he, monster. he can't speak. He can't speak anymore. So he's just like making noises. Yeah, he's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eyebrows, <laughs> which are freezing by this point. That's right. <laughs> now now we have more eyebrow acting, but with fake snow in them. So Jack freezes to death. Yeah, so Jack, so Danny goes back, finds his mom, um, and they get into Halloran's like snow truck thing, mm-hmm. and they they get the fuck out. They of get there. out of there, and yeah, yeah, you see Jack in the maze, and he can't speak. He's just yelling, and he hears the the escape. He hears them leaving in the snow truck, mm-hmm. and he just collapses in the snow, and yeah, he's just like frozen. The next day, it's like daylight, and he's like completely frozen. Yeah, he has frozen to death. And then we go very slow shot into the hotel. And here you've got like the background music is like a jaunty sort of twenties. Yeah, and it's like party like, music from earlier. Like party. Mm-hmm. And you like zoom in. Thinking. Yeah, you zoom into a photo dated July the fourth, Overlook Hotel, nineteen twenty one, mm-hmm. and it's a big shot of the ballroom full of people, and right at the very front, smiling away, eyebrows raised, eyebrows raised, is Jack Torrance. Jack Torrance. Yep. Of the Overlook Hotel. The end. The end. So, dun, 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 dun. what is your take on the photo at the end? Well, I mean, the implication is that he was always there, that he was like always a part of it. But the way that I sort of took it was that they wanted him, the ghosts of the place wanted him back. Whether or not he was always there or they're replacing someone, they wanted him for the hotel. The mm-hmm. hotel was going to have him. And they got him. Yeah. So, because the two, like, different readings that I kind of bounce back are either that he is a, reincarn- is a reincarnation of the of the caretaker, like, he was the caretaker in 1921 in that picture, mm. in, you know, seeing Grady, like he says, you know, there's two different Grady's, the Grady who was the manager, the old manager, and then there was the Grady in 1970 that killed. That was a caretaker and killed his family. So it's almost like the hotel is bringing back the reincarnations of the people it wants. It wants them 
to be there forever. So it calls mm. to okay. Charles Grady in 1970, brings him back as a caretaker when there's no one around, drives him crazy, kills his but family. But why Delbert Grady? Why Delbert Grady was the original Grady, who was there in this picture in the 20s. So what? He, so Charles is the reincarnation of him, of... and Jack Torrance is a reincarnation of the original caretaker, which is why he says, you've always been the caretaker, sir. And that's why he's in the picture. Or the other way of looking at it is that he's been absorbed into the hotel when he, you know, but now he's died there. Now he's destined to haunt the place forever. Yeah. And he's been like new... sucked into this picture because this picture is like all the souls that the hotel has managed to absorb. But then I don't understand why it's like a particular date, dated party. Like, I, ju- I think it's like the number one ghost story. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it's what, if you think about the ghost story slash supernatural subgenre of horror, I don't know that it gets much better than this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's terrifying. It's, you know, cinematically, if you look at, like I said before, the sound and the design and the way it looks, everything about it is in that sense, is a masterpiece. Well, it's so stylized. Yeah. I mean, Kubrick has a style that he, I don't know, imposes, I suppose, on different types of stories. And this was him doing a horror. And so he put his style of filmmaking onto this horror. And it worked. Yeah. Despite the source material being largely, not ignored, but... He changed it drastically. Drastically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I stand by my score because it's excellent. Really, really excellent. And I do enjoy watching it. I like being at the Overlook Hotel. There's something about it. Um, but yeah, but obviously not perfect. I think hollering that whole thing was like a waste almost. Like, what was the point of it? Yeah. Other than, like, to introduce The Shining, I suppose, or to... Yeah, get, then to... why did he need to come back? To bring, apart from to bring the snow truck, I guess. And that's why I'd quite like to read the book. But I struggle sometimes with Stephen King. I started reading, reading Salem's Plot in... Salem's Lot? Salem's Lot. Salem's... I started reading Salem's, Salem's Lot. Lot in January, <laughs> and I still haven't finished it. Because I'll go through a phase where I, I can sit and read it for Have ages. You... Okay, what are the books of his that you've read? Um... Have you read It, for example? No. Okay. I think that's like one of the best Stephen yeah. King books, but I know many people struggle to get through it. Yeah. I've read like The Gunslinger. Um, okay. I've read, I've got Carrie and I'm trying to remember if I've read it or not. I've never read Carrie. I actually would really like to read The Shining because I would also like to read the sequel. Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep because I loved that movie. I loved that movie as well. And this but that what... movie almost stands alone. You don't well, need... No, well no because the whole reason because Mike Flanagan we were talking about Mike Flanagan before. Love Mike Flanagan. Yeah. yeah. Obviously Doctor Sleep is a Mike Flanagan movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he what I love about it the most is that he has made it as a sequel to you can read it as a sequel to the book to the because book, it includes yeah. a lot of things in the book. Mm. Like plot from the book that aren't in the Kubrick film but he also made it as a sequel to the film so what I do know is that in the book Jack doesn't freeze to death the hotel blows up the hotel's destroyed and he dies in the fire yes I knew I knew that yeah, somehow whereas yeah. in that doesn't happen until so in Doctor Sleep in film I forgot about that yeah obviously 
the Danny, goes, the fire. Well, Danny goes. Yeah. Well, Danny goes to the Overlook, doesn't he? At yes. the end, yeah. And he blows up the hotel, and I th- and, and I think it might have even been Andy that was telling me that, like, yeah, Mike Flanagan went to Stephen King and was like, "This is what I want to do." So I want to kind of tie your original ending to The Shining mm. in, and Stephen King was like, "Yeah, I love it. Go for it." And that's why we have that. So the I'm quite interested again because I really enjoyed the film Doctor Sleep. So I'd quite like to read it because obviously the ending of the book again is going to be very different to the ending of the film. Mm, yeah, for sure. Because it'll it'll be different. Yeah, I want to read them both now. Yeah. actually, we should review Doctor Sleep. It's a great oh, film. We should. We should. And it's again, it's really scary, but for very different reasons. And also, like, do you think of it as a sequel to this? Because I, I know it is one, but I don't really think of it as a sequel to this movie. I do. There's just so many missing parts, though. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he tied them together pretty well, but, like, like if you were to do a series of sequels, part three, <laughs> would you include Doctor Sleep in the series of sequels? Maybe. Okay. I see. I see. Just because I really like it. Do you stand by your rating for The Shannon? I do. Stand by my rating. Four and a half. Like I said, it is a cinematic masterpiece. It is, you know so brilliant in so many ways I just struggle to get over the Jack Nicholson of it and <laughs> Jack I Nicholson of it all <laughs> and I I struggle with I don't find it enjoy like it's not what I enjoy watching as in like it doesn't bring me any of the things that when I'm watching a film for repeat yeah. times you know for yeah. like entertainment it's not what I find particularly entertaining Mainly because I don't, you know, the characters are kind of hard to like or yeah, yeah, or identify with exactly, yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah, like I hate but scary, Jack, but but it's terrifying. Yeah, mm. it's terrifying. So yeah, I completely stand by my score. Yeah, and I think that it's a classic, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, I've, as I said, watched it for a very long time. Watched it every October as part of my Halloween movie list. Um, and I, as I said, I enjoy spending time at the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> I, yeah, I recommend, obviously. Like, yes. if you are a horror fan and you haven't seen this movie. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Run, immediately, go, watch go it. Now. Get, borrow Jenny's DVD. Are you watching it yet? <laughs> now. It has to be now. How about now? It's Wednesday. It's, it's 4pm. It's Saturday. <laughs> One month later. <laughs> what day is it? Jack Nicholson's Eyebrows. Jack Nicholson's Eyebrows. For life. <laughs> Forever and, and ever. ever. As you can hear, we're clearly losing it. <laughs> it feels like Christmas, though. Because it does. It's like we hung out with your whole family today. Yeah. <laughs> so, I am which was super fun. Like, but yes. two weeks away from giving birth. So we, with that, we will say, Brothers Keg, take us out. Bye. 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 Bye.